Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsman 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Find another way to lose. Uh, this one, bit of a controversial finish, to say the least, uh, but the Raptors losing 106-104 to to the Boston Celtics. Um, yeah, so last game, Raptors losing to a shorthanded Minnesota team um, on the road. They lost that game because the game was tied at the end, and uh, Minnesota won on a rip-through foul where D'Angelo Russell swung his arms across. You know, Fred was there, fouls him, whatever, right? Very, very strange play to see at the end of a game, very clever play, let's just say. And it was one of those scenarios where the Raptors blew a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they almost had to invent a way to lose. I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball, losing on a game winning rip through is rare and then this game comes around and whether you want to put this on the officials whether you want to put this on Nick Nurse truthfully we definitely need more context from both the officials and from Nick so as we hear more in the post game press conference and we hear more in terms of the, the, the pool reporters um, going to talk to the, uh, the, the officials on the last play um, we will have more details but regardless the Raptors lost at the end of this game due to poor timeout management, which is kind of unbelievable because the Raptors, to take you into this play, they're down two uh, with about 15 seconds left. Raptors uh, were able to trap Peyton Pritchard in the backcourt. Peyton Pritchard had hit a go-ahead three, which was obviously a massive, massive moment um, for Boston as they sort of came back uh, from from trailing for most of the game here. Um, they trap Peyton Pritchard. There's a steal on the play. Gary Trent Jr. steals the ball, and he's about to push it up. On the Boston side, not only was the defense not set, but Grant Williams is on the ground. Um, he apparently hurt himself or something like that. So he's on the ground. The Raptors have stolen the ball live right at half court. Gary's got it. The Raptors have a numerical advantage, and the guy's down. And instead of allowing the Raptors to play that play out, where the, again, the game was the Raptors were down two, on that live ball scenario, Nick Nurse calls timeout instead of letting it play out. Now, I get it on, on this, in the sense that the Raptors were really ragged on the previous possession. So, you know, you do want to bring some chaos and, or some, some order uh, and move them away from that chaos. But at the same time, the chaos is going to face the, favor the Raptors there. They had the numbers, and Boston literally had a man down. So he calls timeout. Okay. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what the Raptors draw up. They go to their standard play, which is four guys in the front court, one in the back court. They inbound to the, the, the man um, at the top of the floor, right near half. And then the player who's in the back court, in this case, Pascal Siakam, is going to catch the ball on the move and run downhill and make a play. There's corner kickouts if he wants to, or he can go all the way to the basket. He chooses the second option, goes all the way to the basket. Uh, Horford makes a great play. To be honest, on the, on the replay, it looks like that Pascal just missed handled the ball and also that Horford you know swung down at the exact right time and so regardless it's a, it's a it's a turnover except for the fact that Pascal is able to tie up Al Horford under the basket of course this still gives the Raptors a chance to win the possession back and you know potentially tie the game or send it to overtime or do something and extend the game right um Instead of allowing that jump ball to happen, the, the Nick Nurse immediately tried to challenge the play. Now, he really, really, he whistled for the challenge. He went over, you looked at him, he's, he's whistling for the challenge. Now, I'm, I'm pretty certain about this, but you cannot challenge a jump ball. You cannot challenge a no call on that kind of scenario. Um, so I think the officials went over to talk to Nick, because obviously Nick was like, you know, making a, a big fuss, right? He wanted the challenge. Um, and the officials had this discussion with Nick, um, you know, so 
I'm not sure exactly which way it went, but ultimately, after a bit of a break in play, just to sort of sort everything out, because right, the players are already on the court to try to jump. Um, Nick is sort of getting the referees to come over. One of the referees just slaps the Raptors with their last timeout, which, to be honest, that is kind of like a delay of game. Like, you're straight up stopping the game to try to discuss this moment, right? Like, I mean, is it, is it the right thing to do to challenge the Raptors, with, to slap the Raptors with a timeout? No, but at the same time, that's not a reviewable play. And so you have a scenario where all of a sudden you have now used your, one of your last two timeouts you used to stop a Raptors fast break in which you can score and tie the game. You literally can't drop a better play than whatever advantage the Raptors had. But instead, the Raptors used that timeout, so they already cut off their own fast break. And then they burned their second timeout, not even actually reviewing the play. And not only does that, that timeout um, affect the Raptors in terms of not being able to challenge and not actually even to be able to regroup, um, it affects the Raptors in the sense that because a timeout is assessed, now you can switch the personnel. Normally, just on a regular jump ball, you can't make substitutions around, right? So because you call the timeout, Boston's able to bring in more size. So they didn't originally close the fourth quarter with Luke Cornett on the floor, who's the biggest man in the building. He's able to come into the game, and now Boston has a pretty clear game plan. They're going to win the tap out to, uh, towards Cornett's direction because no one can really box him out. That's exactly what happens. At first, uh, Horford and Pascal jump. Horford wins it, but Scotty ties up Horford. So uh, there's another jump ball this time between Scotty and Horford. It looked like Scotty didn't really even jump for the play, and Horford was able to tap it out. Regardless, Boston gets the ball. They call timeout to advance the ball to then try to set up an inbound play. In that inbound play, the Raptors catch another break where uh, Grant Williams pushes over Gary Trent, trying to defend on the inbound, and uh, it, it, so instead it's a turnover. Going back to the Raptors. So after all this, the Raptors still have a chance to win the game. However, because they have lost both their timeouts, the Raptors can't advance the ball, can't draw up a play, and instead they have to sort something out on the fly, and all they get, once again, is the same play, essentially, run even worse than last time, where they had someone at half court, Pascal in the backcourt, they inbound to him, he runs up, you know, it's very easy to trap him. Obviously, he's not really going to be able to shoot from that far out. Um, the Boston Celtics trap him, and he ends up turning the ball over with three seconds. The whole thing is a complete mess. I don't know how the Raptors went from a situation where they got a live ball steal with a man down for Boston and with the numbers advantage in a position to tie the game with two timeouts to a scenario where the Raptors literally had no more timeouts and they can't even get a shot up in the last two possessions. So this is what I'm saying. Last game, the Raptors find a new way to lose on a rip-through foul. And this game, the Raptors find a way to lose by throwing away their timeouts. And listen, I'm sure there's going to be controversy between Nick and the officials. Um, You know, I'm sure there was probably some sort of miscommunication that happened with the timeouts. Regardless, though, the fact that this game was managed in a way where not only did the Raptors give away the lead, which honestly at this point you can kind of just expect because, you know, if you watch the Raptors with any sort of, uh, you know, attention in the last couple weeks here, you know the Raptors find ways to lose. But to find this specific way to lose, by mismanaging the timeouts is just kind of extraordinary to me. It's, it's an extraordinary uh, outcome at the end of the game. Um, you know, the Raptors had multiple chances, but again, just wow, wow. Um, <laughs> Why do you want to blame the refs? I mean, you could blame the refs, but I'm looking hard at Nick Nurse on this one. I, you know, it, it, you just cannot get in your, your team's way. I don't, know why, I don't know why he called that first timeout to stop the Raptors on the fast break off the steal. Um, 
you know, it, other, other than that, I mean, an eventful game in the sense that, you know, um, Boston came in without uh, Jason Tatum, uh, and then they lose Marcus Smart uh, due to a rolled ankle. Uh, it looked pretty bad. It was right before halftime. It was just a standard play, um, and he just rolled his ankle right before half. He had to be helped off the floor, was not able to return for the second half. Um, you know, Boston also suffered. It looked like Derek White also banged his knee at some point. He didn't really, be, he wasn't able to finish um, in the same way that he really wanted to. Um, you know, I think Grant Williams was down at one point, even though Nick Nurse saved them with the timeout. But, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of casualties on that side. And then on the Raptors side, OJ Anobi left the game. Not exactly sure what specifically happened, so I'm going to have to rewatch and see the final possession there where OJ was involved in. But um, it was it was a tough one. OG uh, had to leave the game. It, there was a, there was maybe thought that he could um, come back in after being assessed. I believe they ruled it as a jammed ankle, but they weren't ultimately able to bring him back into the game. I think they had second thoughts on it and they decided not to sort of you know re- jeopardize it. Which honestly, at this point, makes a lot of sense, right? Definitely don't jeopardize it in that scenario. Um, but yeah, I mean, as for the game itself, though, it was very competitive. Both teams got to go and add each other. Obviously, Boston's a very good team, so you know they're going to be competitive no matter what. The Raptors were able to put on five forwards pretty much exclusively at all times, um, and that really allowed the Raptors to uh, guard the Celtics fairly effectively. I thought their defense throughout was pretty decent. Um, but at the same time, even with the Raptors' defense being good, I think there are still a couple key plays in which the Raptors end up losing possessions. I mean, even if you want to skip through the first three quarters where the Raptors were able to take the lead, um, you know, by holding Boston to 26 points in the first quarter, 24 in the second, 31 in the third, like, that's, that's pretty good for the Raptors' defense nowadays, right? And they were able to head into the fourth quarter with a, uh, a four-point lead, uh, which is a pretty strong outcome. However... The Raptors start the fourth quarter, and they have to get Pascal Siakam a breather. They have to get Precious Achua a breather because they're playing these guys heavy, heavy minutes, right? Pascal obviously already showing signs of wear and tear, although I thought tonight he was excellent. Um, but you got to find Pascal some time to rest. you got to find Precious some time to rest because Precious is still getting his conditioning back. I thought this was his, by far his best game since returning. He was awesome in pretty much every facet today. Um, but you, you give both of those guys a chance for a breather, and you're just asking for your bench, can you buy three minutes for me? And literally, in the span of three offensive possessions and three defensive possessions, the Raptors immediately are now five. They go from being up four, heading into the fourth quarter, giving them three possessions offensively, three possessions defensively to rest, and Nick Nurse already has to call a timeout, get his guys back in there because of the fact that the bench literally gave up a 9 nothing run within about a minute and 30 seconds. And this is another thing that I've said on the show recently where I'm like, look, sometimes the bench is so bad, I truly wonder if they will get better results inbounding the ball, holding it for a full 24 seconds, making sure that they get a 24-second violation just to burn time and then just to not have a transition uh, defense uh, scenario where you're able to then set your defense going back the other way. I'd rather the Raptors sometimes do that than what they end up doing on offense. Because obviously that's an absurd uh, uh, you know, um, strategy, but at times when you see the, the futility, the way the Raptors play, it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. During that stretch at the start of the fourth quarter, which is, to me, when they lost it, first off, first possession, Jalen Brown's in the corner, the ball swings over to him, Scotty's guarding Jalen Brown, a step too far away, Brown just shoots the corner three right over him, too weak on the closeout. All game, the Raptors are doing a great job closing on Jalen Brown. But that one he makes because you just you just switched off on defense for for a second there. Okay, so you give it the three. What do you do on offense? Well, Malachi Flynn has the ball. 
And he has to play this game because Fred Van Vliet, you know, was ruled out last second with like a rib injury. Um, so, so Malachi has to come in and play. And we're not asking him to play a lot of minutes. We're literally saying, here's five minutes off the bench. Just keep it steady. Just, can you just run the show for five minutes? And this is what what's running the show for, for, for a very significant moment looks like. Malachi dribbles into the middle of the floor, tries to try to shoot over Peyton Pritchard, which, to be fair, a lot of Raptors had good success attacking Peyton Pritchard. But Malachi Flynn is not like the other Raptors, okay? Those other Raptors have a lot of size. They're able to shoot over top of him, and they don't even see Pritchard. Malachi sees eye-to-eye with Pritchard, drives into the lane. It's, he's shooting over top of two guys and misses, a, misses badly a mid-range pull-up that it was, was well contested, okay? Then the, the Celtics come back the other way. They run a pick-and-pop. Malachi's involved in that play. He gets completely lost on defense, and Brogdon slips free for three. Okay, so now it's already 6 nothing. Okay, but they have another chance here to at least sort of do something offensively to keep Boston at bay. They bring the ball to Scotty. He drives baseline. Um, he has a chance to dunk it on a cut, but he doesn't finish at the rim. Then Chris Boucher is able to collect the rebound. He's there right under the basket for the putback, but he brings the ball low and he gets stripped down low. And so instead of a dunk, instead of a putback, they get zero out of that play. And then the next play... The Raptors are in scrambling because they're, again, guarding in transition after missing a shot, after losing a turnover in live ball turnover, not a, not a dead ball turnover. So they're guarding in transition. Nobody really finds their assignments, and ultimately Malachi doesn't rotate out to Grant Williams, who knocks down a three. That's a 9 nothing run in the span of about 90 seconds. And so Nick Nurse has to call the timeout, and he has to bring back Pascal and Precious. And listen, Pascal and Precious throughout the game consistently were excellent. I, I really enjoyed what they are able to bring here. The level of physicality was was excellent from Precious, and, and Pascal, even though he started slow, was able to really lock in. He was 11 of 14 from the field at a certain stretch, was getting to the free throw line consistently, and they were able to come in, and literally immediately they come back in, and Pascal finds Precious with a bounce pass on the roll. Precious able to finish going to the basket. Then Precious is able to rip down a contested rebound, kick it out to Pascal in transition. Pascal is able to step through in transition, finishes the play. Then um, uh, Pascal runs a pick and roll with Precious, uh, gets downhill, scores and you know uh and or gets fouled by Blake Griffin which was initially ruled a, a block but Boston challenges the play and then actually overruled the play but the point is though you were able to come back in and immediately set up your offense and then Pascal is able to set up Thad for a flip shot on a pick and roll kind of scenario where Pascal draws two off the drive and then you know dumps off to Thad who's able to finish so you, you were back in this game immediately because you brought back your best players for on the night but again, you start to see losing plays for the Raptors. And this is where, again, it's a very, very simple thing for the Raptors, but they just end up not doing um, you know, the right thing on, on, on key plays, right? You have a play where um, you know, the Raptors just, they just, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to just consistently like go at these guys in terms of just like highlighting their failures, but at the same time, there's just a lot of misplays that you ultimately look back on, you think about ways in which you're losing the game. You know, there's plays where Grant Williams has, um, you know, three Raptors around him, and none of them box him out. And instead, after the Raptors uh, force the missed shot out of Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, with three Raptors around him, wins the offensive rebound, kicks it out, Brown gets an open three, he knocks it down. It's like you just worked so hard to force one of the best scorers in the league in Brown, who is the number one option for Boston, into a miss, and you have three guys on Grant Williams, but you don't get the rebound. It's not like Grant Williams is going to jump over everybody. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, right? He's muscular, sure, but like, man, you got to get that board. And because you don't get that board, you get punished with a three going the other way. Um, and then on the next, you know, uh, possession down, Gary has a wide open three on the perimeter. He turns it down. 
Instead, he tries to drive against Horford, who's a very good defender. We've just seen Horford lock down um, Steph Curry on very key possessions, okay? So, so Gary Trent turning down the three and instead trying to drive on, Grant, or on Al Horford is not going to go well. He's, he's driving through. He is challenged at the rim. He gets a shot off, but a very, very contested shot. He's going so fast that he falls over. He can't land properly, and the Raptors miss the shot. Now it's a live ball again. Celtics got numbers running back the other way, and because Gary's fallen over on an attempt that was overzealous, Peyton Pritchard walks up and knocks down a three. And it's plays like that and sequences like that where the Raptors lose three points because Grant Williams wins a rebound over three guys. It's plays like Gary turns out a good shot, drives into a bad shot, falls over. Now the Raptors give him another three points. We're not talking about a lot of points here. We're talking about the Raptors losing this game on one possession. We're talking about the Raptors losing this game because of late timeouts. We call them the Raptors because of this and this and this. Over the course of the game, the Raptors make so many of these mistakes that it really just makes it almost impossible for them to win. And listen, this is a game where Pascal was awesome dominated for you and this he didn't come up with the plays at the very very end but over the course of this game he gave you so much 29 points nine rebounds 10 assists literally played 43 minutes boston is double teaming him triple teaming him putting all sorts of strong defenders against him he's still 14 of 23 from the field he's still knocking down all sorts of mid-range jumpers attacking you know showing the type of leadership you really need in order to win or be competitive in a game like this and because of other guys making these strange mistakes over the course of the game, over and over and over again, because of the fact that the Raptors bench. Let me let me just read you some of the numbers of the Raptors bench, okay? Malachi Flynn, Malachi Flynn played five minutes tonight, missed two shots, got one rebound, didn't have a single assist, had a personal foul, and was a minus 11. In five minutes, five minutes he was a minus 11. The Raptors lost this game by two points. Right? Like, it, it, it's stuff like that, where it's just, you get guys coming off the bench. Chris Boucher making some strange, strange decisions. He made some good plays in terms of finishing. He was aggressive. Maybe the overall thing, I think maybe he was a little bit better than he was a little bit worse. But there are just lots of strange plays that it just doesn't make sense from, from Chris, right? He was able to steady himself, but ultimately a minus 18 and 19 minutes, right? And it's not like the Raptors are losing to the best bench in the league or anything. Like, Boston's bench is solid. They're strong. They got pretty good players. But at the same time, you're giving up Grant Williams for 25 points off the bench, right? That's got to be a season high for him, if not a career high. Malcolm Brogdon, 23 points off the bench, right? Obviously, he's a very solid player, so I'm not that surprised by that. But Peyton Pritchard, 12 points in 26 minutes. Like, I think if you're Malachi, right? Malachi and Peyton both normally don't play, right? Mostly because they're both defensive liabilities. But when they do play, and we've seen Peyton Pritchard versus Malachi Flynn a couple times now, three years in a row, they were drafted at the same time, they're point guards, Raptors play Boston all the time. We've seen these guys go up against each other. How many single times has Peyton Pritchard dominated this matchup? And I'm not saying like dominate as in he had like 50 points or something, but you're telling me that in his 26 minutes, the the, the Celtics won by 19, in Malachi's minutes, five, the Raptors lose by 11, Malachi has zero points, and and Pritchard, meanwhile, has 12 points, including the game-winning three, including another huge three as well. Just too many, too many mistakes. The Raptors literally tried to find ways to make themselves lose. And it's just unfortunate because they competed hard. They, they scrapped hard. Guys really defended well. You know, like it was a tough performance from Gary Trent, who started slow, but he was able to really come in and find his rhythm. And he, he was able to knock down a whole bunch of contested mid-range jumpers. And I didn't think Scotty did a great job in terms of just like running the show or anything. But at the same time, he was competing, had a couple blocks of the rim. I do wish his on-ball defense against Malcolm Brogdon was better because Brogdon was mostly going at 
Scotty, whether he was knocking down the pull-up three because Scotty was giving up too much space, or he was driving around Scotty for the layups. But ultimately, Scotty competed, right? He was not a negative in this game. He was more of a neutral, right? But he did his thing. OG did his thing before he ultimately left the game. That definitely affected the Raptors in terms of just having another guy that they weren't able to play um, in large parts of the second half. But still, you can overcome all of that if you just don't make some of those mistakes. And yeah, I mean, when you look at it, ultimately, whether that's the coach making mistakes, whether, to be honest, even Pascal making mistakes, you know, obviously, like, every single Raptor makes mistakes. But man, when you just take it in totality, they played well enough to win, but they also always make enough mistakes to lose. And it, it's frustrating watching these performances. It has to be. Because they play well, they lead for most of the game, they're playing a different style. Obviously, Fred's not on the floor. To be honest, that does help you defensively, even though you have to make up for it offensively. Helps you defensively. Boston is not only without Jason Tatum, who's an MVP candidate, lose Marcus Smart, their, their heart and soul, you know, um, right before the end of the first half. You know, they have... They barely play Robert Williams in the second. I don't think he played in the second half. They had to switch him out with Luke Cornett. I don't know if he got hurt or whatever. But they're starting five. You got five points from Horford, two from Robert Williams, two from Marcus Smart. And then, you know, Derek White is eight points on four of 12 shooting. You know, doesn't really do much in this game either. So you've, you've held four of their starters to single digits, and still yet you don't win the game. Like, I don't know what to say, really. Like, the Raptors are there. They're good enough to compete. Especially they're good enough to compete against a shorthanded Boston team. But, again, they just can't get out of their own way. And to be honest, how much of that starts with the head coach too, right? Because, like, I, I just – it's rare to see a game lost because of poor timeout management. But they did. But they did. And, and that's, that's unbelievable. That's just genuinely unbelievable at the end there. Nick should not have called that first timeout. The Raptors should have been able to go in transition and tie this game. That probably wouldn't have necessitated the second timeout where, you know, he tried to challenge. He, you also lose your challenge there, too, because you have no more timeouts after that. So you literally can't challenge him. You don't have no more timeouts. Ah, it's just, it's just a missed opportunity. It's just, and, and how many times have we said that on the show? How many times have we said that about the Raptors this season? In terms of if you want, if you want the, the, the positives, I mean, look, it's good to see Pascal come out of his um, – a bit of a shooting funk here recently. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just – he was over four from three, but he knocked down at least five or six mid-range jumpers. He was looking for uh, Horford on the switch. He was looking for Brogdon on the switch. He was looking for, you know, pretty much whoever, honestly. Like, he was doing a really great job in terms of just settling in the offense, leading the team, you know, distributing the ball as well. Ten assists was really great. Rebounding, you know, defensively, I thought he was solid. Better than previous games, I'd have to say. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a negative or wasn't inattentive or any obvious mistakes. So he's, it's good to see him sort of get back into a group. Again, it's unfortunate he has to play 43 minutes and that he has such a good game, and it doesn't matter. But still, I thought, you know, he, he came out. And, and the fact that, look, this is a team in Boston where Pascal has struggled against in the past. Obviously, we don't need to go back to the bubble, but it's a very seminal moment in his career. Definitely a low mark. But for him to then come back and have consistently really strong games against Boston, he had a really good game against Boston the first time they played earlier this season as well. This was in December when the Raptors lost. He had a good game in that one. He had a really good game last year against Boston. I think he's scoring 40. So he's figuring this matchup out. And again, Boston is throwing some tough defenders at him, man. Al Horford's a really tough defender, even though he's, you know, in advanced part of his career. Jalen Brown, obviously, is a great defender. Marcus Smart's a great defender. You know, even Grant Williams and stuff like that. Like, a lot of these guys putting up against Pascal, it's not easy, but he's he's been able to, to, to do good things in this matchup. And you know, it's, it's good because he had been slowing down the last four games, so it's good to see him rebound. Again, it's just too bad that once again Pascal plays an excellent game when they lose it for him. 
Precious Achua was the Raptors' second best player. I, I love the way he, he, he played. I mean, just in general, his energy is infectious. He, he bodies people. Um, you know, he's, he's aggressive. He attacks. He attacks everything that he does, right? He attacks in terms of the rebound. That's why he's such a good rebounder, even though he's not the biggest guy on the floor. Super physical on that front. Um, some incredible chase down blocks, three blocks for him, two steals as well. Great defensively. After OG went out, it was now Precious Achua's job as the primary defender against Jalen Brown, and Precious did an amazing job. I didn't think Jalen Brown was able to, to, to ever get comfortable. He obviously knocked down some late threes, but really those are off broken plays. Precious did a really great job containing him. There was plays where you know Precious would contain Jalen Brown on a drive, force him to pick up his dribble, you know, Jalen would pivot, 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 pivot. No chance to get any shot off. Then he he dribble handoffed it to uh, to I think Brogdon, who was able to come catch the ball, and Brogdon drives and Precious is able to then you know block him from behind. It's it's stuff like that that makes him really special. And you know, when we look ahead to the trade deadline, if certain pieces end up going right, if you you know, let's say like an OG moves or a Gary moves, or those guys have been in trade talks. Okay, then. You probably promote Precious in that spot because there's a real, real, real potential here. I really, really like what he could be as a player because I love his approach, the physicality, the way he attacks, the, the defensive potential as well. He's got really, really quick feet. He turns his body well for a guy who plays center. He can guard threes. He can guard fours, you know, can guard fives at times. He's been great. And, of course, offensively, you just need him to do better in terms of just, like, finishing possessions. But I think, you know, since coming back, and, again, this is only – we're talking about maybe like 10 to 15 possessions of, in terms of Precious Achua playing the pick and roll, either with Fred or whether with Pascal. But they're finding him more often, and he's finishing more often. And, and again, we need to see a larger sample. But to me, there are less chances where he's fumbling at the start of, as compared to last season, where now Precious is able to catch the ball on the roll and make a play with it. We even saw him with a really impressive left-handed finish in traffic um, in the Knicks game. Today, kind of the same deal. You know, he was able to finish on the roll a lot of times and won finished through, you know, a, a really strong contest from Luke Cornett, who, you know, isn't like an elite defender by any means, but when he's seven foot two and he jumps at the basket with his hand straight up, that's that's very, very hard for anyone to finish over. And Precious Ajua had a double pump finish over top of a player who's like six, seven inches tall on him. Like that's the stuff that I really like to see. And of course defensively was great too. So, you know, he was he was excellent. Um, you know, I thought Gary just in the course of this game was able to force a lot of um, jumpers over top of guys. His his pesky defense was was there. He also ran a lot of offense for the Raptors at the top of the floor. Now, of course, he's not necessarily playmaking for the next guy as much, but at the same time, you know, he was able to generate a decent amount on offense. And even though Boston has really good perimeter defenders as well, Gary's able to shoot over top of a Derek White, over top of a you know uh, Peyton Pritchard, stuff like that, and he nailed a lot of lot of tough jumpers. End up finishing with 22 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and two blocks. And to be honest, that third steal for Gary, he should have been able to then orchestrate a play for the Raptors to score in another way. But again, don't want to harbor the, the don't want to you know uh, just repeatedly stress about that timeout. But man, I, I can't believe it. They they lose one game on a rip through and then lose the next game on a timeout. It's it's, it's unbelievable. What are they going to do next? Uh, genuinely, what are they going to do next? I'm telling you, it's probably going to be a technical to lose the game next time, or, like, what are they going to do, man, a half-core violation? Like, they're, they're, they're finding new ways to do it, or maybe a delay a game. They're going to lose a game on a delay a game or something. But, wow, it's, uh, it's tough times for the Toronto Raptors. So, in, anyway, to wrap up the show, your three stars. I already said it already, but Pascal is your first guy. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 14 of 23 shooting from the field. Uh, again, I love to see the fact that he's able to get his mid-range touchback. Um, that's a huge, a huge part of his game. The catch and shoot threes is a bit of a concern. He's like one for his last twenty something now, but at the same time, you really, really need his mid range jumper to be falling because that sets up the rest of his offense. 
because he has that threat, now he's able to get defenders to play up closer to him one-on-one. Pascal is able to roast a lot of guys, get to the rim as well. And then that's also able to set up the penetration where he's able to get in the paint and then swing it out against the double to find shooters at the top. That's more important to me than catch and shoot threes. Catch and shoot threes is more of a luxury for Pascal. It helps the rest of the team in terms of being able to have him as a spot-up option. But for the most part, you need to see him knock down those jumpers. And he obviously was doing it at an elite rate for so much of this season. Um, and, yeah, you know, he, he's, he's hitting them right now, which is excellent to see. Um, what else? Man, 29 points, only two free throw attempts too, man. I mean, you know, I suppose that's really good defense by Boston. Raptors only shot seven free throws all night? Or wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay, maybe, maybe I can see why Nick Nurse wanted the challenge. Seven free throws total for a game that was heavily contested for 43 minutes. Okay, uh, for, for, for 48 minutes. Um, wow, that's, that, that, that might be a record. I've never seen seven in the box score just for a whole team. Okay, um, your second star is going to go to Precious Achua. 17 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Again, I loved it. I love his potential. I really, really want to see him. Even if the Raptors end up tanking or whatever, I really want to see a strong finish to the season for Precious Achua. There's a, he's the, to me, he's the Raptors' second-best prospect behind Scotty Barnes. It's Precious Achua. And it's games like this that you really see the two-way impact that he's able to have. Because obviously, offensively, he's not asked to create that much, except for in transition where he's able to beat two or three guys down the floor, which he did that a couple times here today as well. But being able to finish on the roll, pick and, you know, pick and roll for three as well, um, he had a step-back three, which was awesome to see. Um, but, yeah, really love his potential. Uh, Want to see more. And then, yeah, Gary Trent's your third star. Really should have had the game-deciding steal. But, uh, hey, listen, you know, what am I going to talk about the timeout for the 10th time this, this episode? Uh, you're, you're Gerald Henderson Award winner. Hard to pick between Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard. Mostly Peyton Pritchard because of the fact that he made such huge late threes. But it's got to be Grant Williams over the balance of this game. I mean, he was excellent. You know, forced a lot of possessions. Uh, it, it closed a lot of possessions for, for Boston. Um, drew back-to-back fouls on Chris Boucher at the end of the third quarter. Both times Chris Boucher could have just been more solid to force the miss and contest, but both times he went for the block and both times he ended up fouling Grant Williams. So again, you know, when you're talking about a two-point game and you have a play where 0.4 seconds left, Grant Williams is trying to run from the perimeter and shoot over top of Chris Boucher, who could have stayed vertical and forced the miss. Instead, Chris brings his arm down to try to block it, and it was close to a block, but ultimately it's a foul and you give up those kind of sequences, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you just make too many mistakes. The Raptors just make too many mistakes. And that's the big takeaway. From the coaching to the bench to the rest of the starters, too many mistakes. They lose again. They're 20 and 27, heading into uh, a, a game where they're going to play here against New York on Sunday. And then after that, they got two off days. And then they travel out west for a seven-game road trip. That could be really, really, really tough. And the Raptors are already spiraling. That is adding gas to the, to the, to the fire. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one, man. It's going to be a tough one. So uh, that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Once again, continue to rate, review, subscribe to the show. And uh, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow to recap the Raptors game against the Knicks.